Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to today's episode of the show called The British English Podcast with your host, me, Charlie Baxter. Now, in this one, we are focusing on the power of storytelling once more. And it came about very naturally, as I have made a friend in Sydney who kindly invited us round for dinner a couple of times, where I had the pleasure of meeting her mother. And boy, can she tell a story. I found it particularly amusing how confident she is in retelling her tales with such inflection, animation and passion that I thought, I need to get a microphone in front of this human and start recording a couple of her stories because she's an excellent person to learn from in terms of how to tell a casual story. I also challenged her even further to think about how one might adapt the story based on the audience, which will be interesting for you to witness. But first, let's experience how this person tells a casual story that could be shared over a drink or dinner with some friends and family. So I give you the storytelling queen that goes by the name of Irene. So I've brought you on. Because we've had a few dinner time experiences where you've shared quite a few colourful stories. Oh, you have no idea, Charlie. <laughs> without, without prompting, you were able to encapsulate or uh, capture the audience. And, and that was also two of your daughters who have also heard the stories probably many times. But I still feel like they were listening. They've learned that they have to. Charlie, it's survival. <laughs> Right. But either way, you were able to hold your own or, or carry the story on. I'm not going to say that you should have shared the microphone, but it was very much a monologue. Yes. Like you like to tell a monologue. Well, if it's a good story, it's terrible when someone interrupts. It's like, no, there's a flow. It's like if you're reading a fabulous book, you don't want someone else coming in and using different language and taking it down a different path because I'm here with this story and I want it to get to the end as it was meant to be yeah, heard. You want it to be read. published. Yes. By your own yes. skill. So when your husband interrupts, do you feel like that? Exactly what you just described. You feel like. Yes. It's like, <laughs> you know, sometimes someone kind of, particularly someone that's heard it before, mm -hmm. thinks, so oh, I know where this is going. I'll just cut to the chase and get to the, the end or take it somewhere else. It's like, no, 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 no. You can't do that. You can't do that because you are ruining this whole experience. Well, I, I, I can definitely see how you thought that or how you think that and um, how you like to make it from the start to the end? Well, a story is a story. It's not a conversation. A conversation is where, you know, there's no definite path that it's going to go and no one should fully determine. You know, if, it, if it's a conversation, then you've got to give and take. But a story, that's a different thing. You, you like to tell a story. You love, you love to tell a story, I assume. You enjoy it very much. Yes. In fact, sometimes when you're having a conversation which doesn't have the same rules yeah. and someone's telling their bit of the conversation and you're thinking, oh, no, I've got so much better I can add here. It becomes a bit of a, conversation, a competition in your head. So you are biting your tongue going, oh, no, that, that's nothing on what I've got to tell you. And you have to stop yourself because you understand that People don't like someone who is always 
one-upman of, yeah. of somebody else's story. But I do love it when I get the floor and <laughs> I can one-up it with something that blows your mind. That's good. Yeah, it is good. It is good. Yeah, that's funny. So what, uh, what kind of story would you like to share with us today? Have you got any up your sleeve? Yes. So so you had said to me to pick a story where perhaps I would tell it differently to my girlfriends at the pub to, you know, an elderly person or a child or something. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. So I actually started doing a recording of my own this morning mm-hmm. of a similar structure. Mm-hmm. And I struggled to to go in the direction of one one audience. Mm-hmm. So I thought, hang on, maybe I'm making it too hard. Oh, no. So if you're up to the challenge, we no, can, can definitely do it. do it like that. I can do it. But you do have to tell the, the thicker story first. Because if, if I were to tell you the story that I would tell an older person or a child, it's going to be obviously less colourful. And then when I would go to tell you as... Uh, you know, someone I'm trying to impress with all of the details yeah. and you've already heard the the skeleton of the story, it takes everything away. Okay. Yeah, that's a nice addition, nice psychological tip. Who would you like to speak to first for this story? So for this story, I would be speaking to someone of my age or not necessarily, I mean, you're way younger than I am. But you're not innocent, you know, so you can hear a story. You're not going to be shocked in any way. And I'm not overstepping any moral, ethical lines by sharing bits. And it's not like I'm making this sound like it's a really sexy story, but it's not. Before you begin, I'd like to let you know that we now have an official app released for the British English podcast. You can now listen to this podcast on the new app and get all of the learning resources along with it. And for those of you who are just listening on your favourite podcast app, then I've got a present for you. Download the app, sign up to the course called Free Podcast Worksheets and you will find every single episode available for you to listen to along with the free worksheet for that episode. A huge resource right there waiting for you to enjoy. So go download it right now at your app store, either by typing in BEP, BEP, or the British English Podcast. Links are also in the show notes. Enjoy this episode. No, I, I like this preface because it's, it's interesting for a learner. Like for me, when I'm learning Spanish, I really struggle to know when to use the formal, when to use the informal language mm-hmm. more than just the grammatical kind of structure but like the nuances of the adjectives or the phrasal verbs or the idiomatic language that we can put into a story yeah that I think you might be very aware of so with me it's probably not so much the language it's the detail and the descriptive stuff that I would be using but this is not I'm building it up to make it sound like it's really exciting it's not it's a very everyday story for me I happen to be fortunate enough to have lived a life where almost every day some crazy thing happens and I don't think I make it happen but probably I'm part of that process Um, so there's many stories that are quite nothing stories but they're funny or you know a little Perfect. bit of lightheartedness. So this story 
is a few years ago, I was at work and I had a really terrible pain just under my shoulder blade. Mm. Really, really painful. And, you know, when you're in pain, it's always important to let the people around you know that you're in pain (laughs) because it kind of helps that process just a little bit that they are also in some level of pain because of you. Right? Right. Okay. It's helped. I said to the colleague near me, oh, my God, I'm just, it's killing me under my shoulder. And I I don't think I slept oddly. I don't know what I've done. And she said, oh, it sounds to me like you've dislodged your rib. And I said, that's not a thing. Don't be ridiculous because, you know, I know everything about everything. And so dismissed her. And then I was still in pain and so I had to share it with many other people. And it was interesting to me that many other people I shared this thing with had exactly the same, you know, thinking that I had somehow dislodged my rib in some way. So I'm like, whoa, this is weird. Anyway, so then I went back to my first colleague who happens to be married to a chiropractor and he's a really good, you know, renowned chiropractor. So I said to her, well, okay, Joe, I'm kind of coming around to the potential that I've done something to my rib. Does Scott know any chiropractor around my area that I could go to to fix this? And within five minutes, Scott has sent the details of a chiropractor not very far away that he's suggested I go to. Now, I've never been to a chiropractor before and, you know, you hear all these stories about them cracking and doing terrible things. So there was a little bit of, you know, yeah, 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 not feeling super confident with this. So I come to the chiropractor, he makes me lie down, he does some massaging, which is really lovely, and then he starts contorting my body, which is less lovely, and then right at the end he does this almighty crack of my neck, and not just my neck, my back, my, like, cracks every bone in my body. Wow. And it it's that sound that you hear inside your head that is like, oh, my God, my body is not meant to, to have this happen to it. But once he's finished, I'm like, wow, <laughs> oh, this is so good. And he says to me, you'll have to come back a couple of times a week for the next few weeks. We'll work on this. So I get home and I say to my husband, Mark, hon, I've got a man in my life. (laughs) The way this man touches me, oh, my God, what he does to my body. Oh, nobody's ever done this to my body before. (laughs) So, of course, Mark knows exactly what's happened and he plays along with the joke. So... Everyone I meet from this day on hears about. (laughs) And so a couple of weeks later, and I've now seen this man in my life a few times, a couple of weeks later, I'm not far from Mark's work, my husband's work, Right. through the middle of the day, and I ring him and I say, Hum, do you want to catch up for a coffee? He says, yes, that would be lovely. Let's go to lunch at the cafe just behind my building. And we go to this cafe which he obviously frequents often. Okay. And he says to the lady behind the counter, let's call her Maria. I don't remember her name. He says, oh, Maria, this is my other wife, Irene. She's my 
after-hours wife. Irene, this is Maria. She looks after me through work times. And Maria gets extremely embarrassed. Her face goes terribly red and she says, Mark, you can't say that to your wife. And I say, oh, yes, he can. You wouldn't believe it, but I've got a man in my life. The way he touches me. No other man has ever touched me like this. And now Maria is really uncomfortable. I bet. It's so much fun. (laughs) Mark and I are really enjoying this moment. And Maria's little helper, let's call her Veronica, pops her head out from around the corner. She's been listening to this and obviously is now wanting a little bit more information. And she joins the conversation and she says, what are you talking about? And I'm actually now feeling a bit sorry for Maria because, you know, she's really struggling with with this whole situation. So I say, don't worry, it's just my chiropractor. And suddenly Maria is, oh, thank God, I was so embarrassed. What was going on here? And now Veronica's very interested and she says, oh, chiropractor, it's always good to have a good chiropractor. Is he local? I said, yes, yes, not far, just down the road, just at Concord. Oh, is it Angelo? (laughs) And then the discomfort changes and I'm the one getting a little bit red and flustered and it's like, um, yes, do do you know Angelo? And she says, yes, my daughter's best friend is his daughter. I see Angelo all the time. I can't wait to tell Angelo (laughs) what you think of him. And so now... Maria's not embarrassed anymore, but I'm as red as a beetroot and I'm thinking, oh, shit, this is really awkward because I'm going to see Angelo tomorrow night. So, I'm, <laughs> I, you know, Mark and I have our lunch and, and move on and the next day I'm feeling really awkward going to see Angelo. I bet. So I get in there, I think, best strategy, say nothing. He may not have seen Veronica. He may not be aware of my singing of his praises, you know, in a slightly, you know. Playful um, Playful, yes. Thank you. Lovely word. Playful way. So I get there and I lie down and he does his massaging and he does his contortioning and he cracks my body. And then I thank God we got through the end of this. And he says, so how was that? How was my touch today? (laughs) Like, um, lovely. He said, yes, I've heard that you quite like the way I touch. Like, okay, so you've met Veronica. So, you know, I was just, there's nothing in it, really. I was with my husband. It's, I'm just, it's just funny. He goes, yes, it is. It's very, very funny. And he was fine with it, but I've never gone back to see Angelo because I was...
Did you know that we have a 45-minute long audiobook that also comes with an e-book to read along with, teaching you 10 of the most useful idioms that you can use to sound like a native-level speaker. You know, the next time that you want to impress someone, be it for a job interview or an English exam, like the IELTS test, then you can whip out one of these phrases and really wow them. We've selected these 10 because they're daily idioms. They're ones that you can use in many, many situations. So you won't be wasting your time learning a random idiom that you'll, you'll never really get the chance to use. And the even better news is that we're giving this audiobook and ebook away for free. And all you need to do is find it in the show notes of this episode. Head over to thebritishenglishpodcast.com and find it in the homepage. Or just like the free worksheet for this episode, go to thebritishenglishpodcast.com forward slash freebies. That is F-R-E-E-B-I-E-S. So embarrassed by my own behaviour being caught out that I've since gone to other chiropractors who are rubbish compared to Angelo. (laughs) And the man that touched me like no other is now just a distant memory. (laughs) Very good. Oh, that was fantastic. I love the twist. Yes. Yeah. And so that story I would, well, I was just thinking, would I tell my mother-in-law that story? And my mother-in-law has known me for an extremely long time, so probably I would. Right. But would I tell that kind of story to some unknown older person or to Mm -hmm. a child? No, I wouldn't talk quite as much about the man that touched me like nobody else. No. But I would still tell I'd still have a skeleton of a story to be able to talk about, you know, I had this terrible pain. I went to the chiropractor. He did all kinds of magical tricks on my body and they felt so good and I've gone back. But I was a little bit cheeky in how I was talking about him saying I really liked the way he touched me. And so I was telling somebody who knew Angelo and then I was quite embarrassed by my own behaviour and it really teaches me a lesson. So if I'm speaking to children, I usually have a moral learning to come from it to be put very clearly and, you know, be very careful when you're talking about other people, even if you're being playful, they might hear about it and it might make them feel uncomfortable or it might hurt their feelings. And so really you should be very careful when you talk about other people. Very different story. Yeah, yeah, very different. I like how you said I was being cheeky with the way I was describing it. Yeah, that's a good way to kind of brush over. Yes, lack of detail. detail. Yeah. So would that be a similar way you would describe the situation to say if you if mingling a cocktail event kind of thing with mm. uh, your husband's work colleagues? So that very much depends on the individual you are talking to. So Mark happens to be in the diplomatic corps and we go to diplomatic functions. And in those situations, particularly to start with, before you know people, you are very diplomatic, funnily enough, and you're very careful with, you know, you you would tell perhaps that story I got caught out. You might give it a little bit more flavour, but you'd be watching very carefully to see whether there was a little bit of shock or disapproval. If there was humour, 
then the rest would come out. And if those people you have met more than one time and you know, you're the kind of person that does like to share a story and you've worked out that they don't mind hearing a little bit more detail of those stories, then it would be the full story. Yeah. But I said to you when I listened to one of your podcasts how impressed I was that you could speak as though someone was there but no one was and yet you had such a wonderful conversation and I think that's such a skill, talking to yourself. I talk to myself all the time but – nobody else is listening to it. When I'm telling a story, I very much observe the body language, the facial, the eyes to see, and I do like to shock. So it's not as though, oh my goodness, I've shocked this person, I'd better stop. But I don't want them to feel uncomfortable. So there's a difference between shock and discomfort. And so I play with my story and I never lie. Sometimes people think that, you know, you embellish a story. Everything I'm saying is absolutely true, but I can give more weight to some parts of it that will give it more colour. But to me, it very much relies on the response that I'm reading from the person that's hearing that story as to how far I take it. Yeah, I really like that. Agree with all of it. I obviously can't pick up on those cues in my sound booth. So I could be offending people from the beginning to the end. Yes, but in that situation, they could turn it off. That's true. So when you're face-to-face with someone, it's much harder for them to withdraw themselves from that situation if they're really not liking where that conversation's going. Yeah, they can't click pause on your face or anything. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But I still think that it's an amazing skill that you have where you can imagine who your audience is and to be able to pitch your story or your conversations to where you see them being without actually having them in front of you. That's kind to say. I feel like it's something like any skill that develops with time because at the beginning of doing like online content, I wasn't brave enough to to do anything like that. Mm. And it, it's taken a few years to practice mm. the small smaller skills to then go into doing that kind of thing. So my point here is like for the listeners, like it's it's good to practice yes. the storytelling because if you feel like you're not a storyteller, doesn't mean you're never going to be one. Yes. I feel like it might be something that you're naturally drawn to, but just because you're not naturally drawn to it, it doesn't mean that you can't, you know, put well, some practice in. Building a relationship requires a level of ability to share stories. Because I don't believe you can have a true friendship with someone if you don't know some of their intimacies. Mm. So I I had a a friend come around on Friday evening just for a drink and to pick something up. And she shared with me some concerns that are happening with her in her life at the moment. And we're not necessarily such deep intimate friends But the situation was right and it was a space that she needed for herself. Yeah. And our friendship is now deeper for that happening Mm. because there was a trust given to me to be able to hear her story and for her to know that that is safe with me 
people that don't share their stories, whether they're funny or whether they're heartbreaking or whether they're just, I was uncomfortable with this, something that tells you about the inner workings of a person. Without that knowledge, you're not really friends, you're just acquaintances. Yes, because a story is sharing emotions, isn't it? In- information isn't isn't emotion. Telling somebody how, your, your holiday, like the itinerary of what you did, yes. that's not developing yes. a relationship. That's just sharing facts. Exactly. But a story will always involve an emotive kind of roller coaster Absolutely. in some way. I have a sister who's extremely organized. There's not a lot of spontaneity in her. And before she goes on a trip, before she goes on a trip, she will have a slideshow of where she's going. So we have <laughs> we have the photos not of their holiday, but of where their holiday will be because she's already prepared. So that's that's a factual story mm. and it doesn't give you any real flavour of that person's experience because they actually haven't had it yet. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So when someone shows you their travel photos, if they're not giving you some of the emotions that they had through that experience, the experience is how they felt during it, what they saw, what it made them think, how they grew, then all it is is a an empty slideshow. Yes. Yes, that's so true. And I think that's why things like podcasts and, you know, online content is a thing because all the information is on there already. The, the mm. internet is just yes. never ending fact yes. finding information sheets. Yeah. But these kind of things are bringing personality to it and people listen to the person and then they get invested in that person because they're divulging some emotions. Yeah. Yeah. Connecting to the human. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, nice. Okay. Remember that this episode, just like every single other episode on this show, comes with a free worksheet where you get to see some of the best native expressions that come up in this very episode, along with definitions made for you, a non-native learner. I've even designed it so that you can play the podcast episode on the same page as the free worksheet. It's super user-friendly, so head over to the BritishEnglishPodcast.com right now and check out the free podcast worksheets or simply click on the link that says free podcast worksheets in the show notes of this episode. We can either leave it there or we could, we, we have space for one more. One more story. One more story, do you oh. reckon? See, most of my stories are very long, Charlie, because to, to give a good story, it's got to have a beginning and a middle and an end and, and real depth. So oh, what can I pick up off the top of my head? Oh. I mean, you've told me some stories that could be well worth repeating. I've got so many stories that you haven't heard that are well worth repeating. But what is it that we're trying to get out of the story? I think listening to the way that you tell the story is plenty. Mm-hmm. You naturally have a beginning, middle and end, like a, a conflict and solution kind of mm. natural way of doing it. So that's useful in itself. We, we could focus on, it, it's tricky, like if there's, a, if there's a naughtier story, then it would make sense to try and pitch it at different people. 
But I think it's quite hard to do. Like I was doing it earlier and I, I, I struggled. Mm. I think what you said before makes sense about giving the full version and then yeah. giving a lighter one. Yeah. So it's the it's filling filling the spaces with as much detail as possible that depends on your audience. And that's yeah. not only just the content in terms of like juicy or frightening or whatever that might be. It can also just be, you know, their interest level, so their concentration span. So you might have the most interesting story that's going to all kinds of places, but if they're not necessarily invested in it. It doesn't matter what language you're going to use. You're fighting. You're you're trying to you're trying to climb a, a a wall that just doesn't have an end. And so nobody's actually winning this no. game. Yeah. And and that's why I guess I rely so much on on watching people. So I know that you particularly enjoyed a story that I told you about being at an airport uh, once. And I, for a period, I've ha- I've had an amazing life where really terrible things have happened to me, but some really amazing things have happened to me. And I love that because it's the terrible things that have made me really appreciate the wonderful things and vice versa. And so I really embrace that huge diversity of experience. And I know everybody has, but I'm really fortunate, like real shit has happened to me and I love it. <laughs> and in, in one of the really shit things that happened to me was having a brain hemorrhage at 39, as I've told you. And just prior to having my brain hemorrhage, like I'm talking weeks prior, I met my half-brother in Slovenia. For the first so, time. For yeah. the first time. And we had this wonderful connection. Our families connected. It was all really beautiful. But then I had to come back. We, my family were there, had to come back to the real world in Australia and continue on with our lives. But I really wanted to get to know my brother better. And so I had to come up with some kind of plan to be able to go over to Slovenia, which is where I was born and where my brother lives, regularly. But I married for love, not money. And so I wasn't in a position where I could just hop on a plane every so often to have a coffee with my brother. And I was, yeah, fortunate's a really tricky word. At the time, it seemed fortunate. We had friends, very close family friends, who were far wealthier than we were, also of Slovenian background. And I had this seemingly ridiculous idea, but it was a great idea at the time, of starting an Australian-Slovenian bar in Ljubljana, which is the capital of Slovenia, and then I would have to go often, right? Yeah. Because, you know, I'm yeah. starting this bar. What, can I ask why you felt like an Australian uh, because, mix would because be so good? Australia is amazing. Who doesn't want to know about Australia, right? And in Slovenia, people are generally interested about somewhere more exotic. And I know Australia. This is where I've lived since I was three years of age. And I love Australia. And so to be able to share that with my Slovenian background and people, to me, seemed the perfect solution. Ka-ching, right? Everybody's (laughs) going to want to come because it's exotic and I can get over to see my brother. So I had this crazy idea of starting an Aussie bar slash restaurant, but I had no money. And so 
my family and I returned to Australia from this huge holiday, which we were in great debt, financial debt with, and a wealthy friend came to pick us up at the airport and I said to him, hey, hun, what about you and I go into business and we start an Aussie Slovenian, an Aussie bar in Slovenia? And he, of course, laughed and they went home and we went home. And then the following weekend we saw these people and I said, did you think about my wonderful idea? And he said, I thought you were joking. <laughs> no, great idea. Everybody in the world's interested in, in Australia. Wonderful idea. You'd make lots of money out of it. And he's living in Australia. He's living in Australia so too. So naturally he thinks you're right. Everyone loves Australia because he's he moved is Slovenian. to Australia. Yeah, but he yeah. loves Slovenia. I love Slovenia, but he loves Slovenia. <laughs> anyway, so then the next weekend, so two weekends into being back at home, I say, hey, now that you've had a chance to think about it, what do you think? And he said, oh, you'd have to invest money if we were going into business together. I don't have any money. But I I've, I know a lot of people over there. I've got contacts. I know I could make this work. And you were a teacher at the time. Yeah, of course. Because yeah. well, every early childhood teacher knows how to run a bar in Slovenia. <laughs> Obviously, that was not going to be a problem. Charlie, what are you suggesting? Anyway. Did you have any experience in no, a bar? No, never, 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 never. Never. And I had no money. But that was not going to stop me. I had a brother in Slovenia, right? Right. Anyway, so the following weekend, we're up to the third weekend, I had my brain hemorrhage. We will leave it there for part one of today's episode. Thank you very much for listening up to this point. If you did want to listen to part two and part three of this conversation, then you can head over to the BritishEnglishPodcast.com and check out the premium podcast or academy memberships. The premium podcast gives you access to the full conversation along with extended glossaries, transcripts and flashcards, whereas the Academy gives you all of that plus exclusive videos and audios for the season-based episodes explaining the vocabulary, exampling them, giving you quizzes, writing assignments and weekly speaking classes on Zoom. But if you were just here for part one of this conversation, then I thank you very much for stopping by. I hope you enjoyed the show. Do grab that free worksheet by clicking the link in the show notes. My name's Charlie and I will see you next week on the British English Podcast. <laughs> <laughs>